Uh, Father, as we look at this uh, third vision of eight, may you teach us what we need to see and hear. And may you enable us to walk faithfully in the days ahead in light of this. In Jesus' name, amen. I thought what we would do today is uh, briefly uh, look at this third vision, uh, that is, work through these 13 verses, and then draw some conclusions uh, from them for us, as there are some very important ones for us today, uh, actually for all people, irrespective of who you are or why you are here. Uh, firstly, the, the first two verses tell us this. Uh, we're looking at Zechariah chapter 2. The first two verses say, Then I looked up, and there before me was a man with a measuring line, as Craig said, uh, in his hand. I asked, where are you going? He answered me, to measure Jerusalem, to find out how wide and how long it is. And one can imagine uh, why this guy in this vision is doing this. After all, we've just been told at the end of the first vision uh, that a measuring line shall be stretched over Jerusalem. Verse 16. And it is the Lord himself the Lord Almighty, who says these words. And so this guy is doing exactly what the Lord said would be done. Or, or is he? As we read on, we find out that this guy with a tape measure in hand, actually more likely a type of surveyor, might not have it right. Now let's now look at verses 3 to 5 to see what I mean. Verse 3, while the angel who was speaking to me was leaving, another angel, yes, there are lots of angels in these visions. God is using everyone to reveal what is yet to come. Yes, another angel came to meet him, that is the angel who was leaving, and said to him, run, tell that young man, Jerusalem would be a city without walls because of the great number of people and animals in it. And I myself will be a wall of fire around it, declares the Lord. And I will be its glory within. And now it seems that the Lord is speaking. Yes, there's a lot going on here. So it seems that the Lord has just said to Zechariah through this young man and through two angels, build my temple. But don't worry about the walls around the whole city of Jerusalem. And two reasons why. The first is that there will be too many people and animals for a defined space. Yes, there's going to be too great a number. And secondly, we're told the Lord himself will protect them as they build the temple. He himself will be like a wall of fire around it, no doubt protecting them as they build. And he himself will be the glory within, no doubt in the very temple itself. Well, what a vision. <laughs> if anything like me, it immediately makes one think of how God protected and guided his people in the past, such as when he brought them out of Egypt. He was like a wall of fire, Exodus 13. But it also reminds me of God's promise to Abraham in Genesis 12, that there is coming a day when God's blessings will go out to all the nations. 
And one won't be able, won't be able to number the people who will become his. Genesis 15 and, of course, Revelation 7. I will read the rest of these verses now from verse 6 to 13. And because there are eight verses here, I'll get you to look at your own Bible or bulletin or just listen rather than put them on the screen. So we're looking at chapter 2 of Zechariah, verses 6 to 13. Come, come, flee from the land of the north, declares the Lord, for I have scattered you to the four winds of heaven, declares the Lord. Come, Zion, escape you who live in daughter Babylon. For this is what the Lord Almighty says. After the glorious one has sent me against the nations that have plundered you, for whoever touches you touches the apple of his eye, I will surely raise my hand against them so that their slaves will plunder them. Then you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me. Verse 10. Shout and be glad, daughter Zion, for I am coming and I will live among you, declares the Lord. Many nations will be joined with the Lord in that day and will become my people. I will live among you and you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. The Lord will inherit Judah as his portion in the Holy Land and will again choose Jerusalem. Be still before the Lord, all mankind, because he has roused himself from his holy dwelling. So we see here now that God is acting and acting most decisively. We see here how no matter where one finds oneself, in the north or in the east, he is calling you home and not to hesitate in coming. Many of God's people back then were still scattered around the place by choice or not by choice. And irrespective of why, God says you need to come home. And I will be with you and I will protect you. And he says, Woe to anyone who tries to stop you from coming back. Whoever touches such a person touches the very apple of their eye. That is, touches something so special that my hand will be against them big time. Maybe a prophetic word to God's people at NHA. Well, that is a very brief uh, explanation of these 13 verses, very brief. And I've now got three points arising from such for us to consider and seriously consider as one should. And the first point is this. Have we, and you can fill this in if you wish, a cast our lot with the Lord and his people? Yes, have we cast our lot with the Lord and his people? What I mean by this is, have we come home? Have we? In verses 6 and 7, we have three words. Come, come, come. So have you come? All three words are grammatically known as uh, interjections. And what are interjections? I'll ask your teacher. <laughs> uh, they are words that express an author's 
emotions or feelings, and they usually come with an exclamation point after them. What they do in English to simply portray what is in that word. Much feeling, much desire. I would call the exclamation point the very first emoticon (laughs) in existence. Come. It's such a simple word, isn't it? A very emotional word expressed to his people back then to come home from wherever they are. But it's also a word today for you and for me, for whoever whoever is listening to this today, whether here at church or on our podcast. It's also the very word that Jesus said too, come. Yes, have you come from the world and into God's kingdom? Have you? Or in other words, in light of how God has now revealed himself more fully, have you come to Jesus, his anointed one, his promised Messiah? Yes, have you come to him? Matthew eleven twenty eight. Have you heard his cry? And it's literally a cry to come. Uh, Perhaps you or we are like God's people of old, uh, such as in the time of Zechariah, and have strayed back into the world. And you or we know it. And deep down, you know what you need to do. Uh, One cannot have a foot in both worlds. One not only either comes into the kingdom or stays in the world. It's one or the other. One either comes to God or stays away from him. That's the choice. And the amazing thing is, he usually puts up with us and even gives us time to come or to come back. It's called mercy. And he's so rich in it that he even says to wayward people like you and me, I can't believe he says it, as we are so unworthy. He even says to wayward people like you and me, but that is mercy, to come home. Come home. If you still aren't sure if you want to come home or not, maybe this next point will help you. Help me, help us to know that we had better come home. The next point that arises out of these verses is therefore simply this. Have we escaped the destruction that is coming. It's a good reason to come home, isn't it? When one considers what is going to happen to those who do not come home. And friends, I'm not forcing this point on us. It's only there if we look at it. Straight after the words, come, 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 we're also told to flee. And we're also told to escape. But flee from what? And escape from what? Why come, is what some would say, unless one needs to. Well, one does need to. Hence the words flee and escape. But flee and escape what? We must flee and escape, we're told, from living in Babylon. Compare verse 7. 
Now, you might think, but I don't live in Babylon. (laughs) And I'm certainly not a Babylonian. I live in Cairns or wherever. (laughs) But as we read through the rest of the Holy Scriptures, and especially including the book of Revelation, we find that Babylon actually represents the world that is in defiance to God and happily doing its own thing. Yes, Babylon represents the world. That is, those who stay in the world and refuse to come home. Now, you could say that it started in Genesis 11 uh, with the Tower of Babel, hence Babylonia, and will end one day as we're told in Revelation 18. It is therefore started in the first book of the Holy Bible and ends in the last book. I hope and pray that we will not just take most seriously the need to flee and escape, but that none of us, whether here in church or listening to this podcast, refuse to come home. We need to be reminded of those words at the end of the second reading today, words addressed to those who stay in Babylon, those who stay in the world, those who refuse to come home, those who refuse to come into the safety of God's kingdom. We're told this in Revelation 18.8. She, uh, that is Babylon, that is the world, will be consumed by fire. For mighty is the Lord who judges her. Revelation 18.8. Yes, there is coming a day of judgment when great destruction by fire will occur. And the only one, one way that one will escape is if we turn to the one who ultimately says, come, flee, escape. And that one's name is Jesus. And therefore enter his kingdom and get out of this condemned world. It's no wonder, therefore, that we are told in verses like John 3.36 that whoever believes, that is, comes, yes, whoever believes in the Son, that is, in Jesus, has eternal life. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. Destruction is their destiny. So have you, have I, escaped from the destruction to come? And we're told it is coming. I suppose, the, suppose sadly, it all depends on whether one has heard the plea of our God, and it certainly is a plea. And therefore, one comes to Jesus, the king of the kingdom to come. Now, finally, and it's the last point today, uh, this vision also tells us something very important about our ongoing walk with our Lord and what it's like. It tells those who, who have come something very important indeed, and it is this. Are we trusting in what the Lord is doing? Are we trusting in what the Lord is doing? I personally find the first verses of this vision and the last verse of this vision very contrasting. What do I mean by that? I find myself regularly doing what the first verses describe and down the track realising the last verse. (laughs) You might be thinking, what on earth is Trevor talking about? (laughs) 
I don't know about you, but I find myself regularly living out the first two verses. You see, they are all about this young man. Well, perhaps I'm not that young anymore. <laughs> yes, they are about this young man seemingly running off and doing his own thing, measuring the city of Jerusalem. You see, he's sort of right. Isn't he? But not completely in tune with what God is doing. And that's where I find myself sometimes. I'm sort of right, but perhaps not completely understanding what God is actually doing. Is that you too? Do you find yourself at times sort of right, but not specifically doing what God might want you to be doing? Like, this vision was about 2,500 years ago. And nothing has really happened. And like, it is absolutely awful as to what's happening in the Middle East at the moment. Absolutely awful. Well, I find myself like this at times. And so verse 13, the last verse, is a great one to remember. We're told in verse 13, Be still before the Lord, all mankind, because he has roused himself from his holy dwelling. How about we say these words together as they are words that really need to sink into us individually and collectively as a church family. Actually, they are words addressed to all of mankind. Together, be still before the Lord, all mankind, because he has roused himself from his holy dwelling. Yes, I sometimes find myself rushing ahead and then needing to stop and to simply trust in what the Lord Almighty is doing. Irrespective of how long it seems to be or how awful it has become or how unjust the whole thing is becoming. Yes, I find myself needing to be still before our Lord and trusting in him rather than trying to work it all out myself. But this verse is also about much more than just that. This is about those who are still in Babylon, still in the world, and at the moment are refusing to come home. That is to come into God's kingdom, to come to Jesus, the king. Yes, this verse is much more about than just God's present people who need to be still and to trust him and not rush ahead. This is about all mankind. (laughs) And what does all mankind need to know? Well, the second half of this verse tells us. The Lord has roused himself from his holy dwelling. He has And so one had better watch out. His dwelling place of holiness tells us a lot about what he is like. And it's when we personally encounter his holiness that without the salvation, the refuge that Jesus offers, we would be destroyed. It's no wonder that when people like Isaiah... And Peter truly encounter the holiness of God. They both both basically say, 
the same thing. We're ruined. (laughs) Isaiah 6 and Luke 5. Friends, you will be ruined. I will be ruined without turning to the salvation and therefore refuge that Jesus offers. Ruined, destroyed, judged. Be still before the Lord all mankind because he has roused himself from his holy dwelling. Comforting words as we walk with our Lord in his kingdom to come. I'm always telling myself, be still, trust him. (laughs) It humanly might be a very long time. It humanly might be absolutely awful. It might also be very unjust. But be still, but trust him. Yet on the other hand, these words are also very scary to those who refuse to come home, to those who choose to stay in Babylon. Friends, this is vision three of eight. (laughs) What a night it would have been for Zechariah. (laughs) We know that there are five more visions to go, but he probably didn't. (laughs) Yes, five more. Number four next week. God willing. May we let this vision soak in. May we see and hear what our Lord wants us to see and hear. And may we come, come, come home if we haven't already. Amen. Thank you all. Thanks, Craig.